Welcome to this inspiring message brought to you by Kingsword Media Outreach, a part of Kingsword Ministries International. We hope this teaching inspires you and transforms you into all that God has destined you to be. Please stay tuned for more information about Kingsword Ministries International following this message. May God bless you as you listen. So a few weeks ago, we began to talk about, um, we had a discussion here on a Wednesday service, and it was about the believer and Titan. And I wanted to have that discussion before I do a teaching, all right? So the discussion was interesting, and it gave me some perspective and then I went back to God to do a study so I'm trusting God that I will conclude this in one hour alright so follow me and listen and have your writing materials ready after today you are free to engage with anybody and understand what tithing is all about that's why I said the believer and fighting alright so after you have um understood and learned you will know the uh, reason the benefit and everything that has to do with fighting and then you will be well educated all right glory to god hallelujah thank you precious father let's dive right into it glory to god so the first thing i want to start is what is the what is fighting and what's its origin what is fighting and what's its origin so the word tight literally means a tent in the Hebrew. You know the Bible was not written in English, right? It was written in Hebrew and Greek, some part of it. So, um, it means a tent. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament was written in Greek. So, Titan has its roots in the biblical account of Abraham presenting a tent of the war spoils to Melchizedek, the king of Salem. So that is the origin. That's where he started from. Abraham presenting a tent of the war spoils to Melchizedek, the king of Salem. So that's the origin. That's where it started from. Okay? It started from Abraham. So in the Old Testament, there was the practice of the Jews. They brought 10% of their harvest to a store, to a storehouse as a welfare plan. For the needy or in case of famine. And then from then on we had other faiths who also urged their followers to listen to this word. To donate. So underline that word donate. Okay. So they were urging their followers to donate. So the Muslims they, uh, they are obligated to give what we call a zakat to charity. And that's usually 2.5% of the market value of their assets each year. In, in, uh, in, um, in Arabic, it's called the sakat. So in the Jewish synagogues, they request an annual membership fee, often based on family income. All right? And then there are these people who, call, who are called the Mormons. They give 10% to the church, or they may be barred from temples where ceremonies are taking place. There are certain religions like that. If you don't give this particular amount, you are bad, you are separated. And there are certain religions today that um, hold what we call a tight book. And then they monitor. If you're not a regular tither or you're not given tight often, there are certain things you cannot do. Some of you will know that. You, you've gone for certain burials in the village and they, you go to the church. They tell you, ah, your mother is owing tight from 1602. And they have the record. And you'll be wondering, excuse me, how far? Or your mother is owing a due in her holy women group. She has not paid for four years. Before you bury her, you have to clear all the dues. Alright? So, certain religions have certain things like that. So, before you can do certain things. Alright? Some evangelical Protestant churches require members to sign contract, covenant contracts. You know? promising to give tithe or give generously they have certain things you will sign so you, you you will give your tithe or you will give generously all right so those who openly refuse to tithe might be denied leadership roles or asked to leave the congregation that's how the extent of some of these things are 
alright, they will tell you, oh, before you are appointed a leader in this particular um, denomination, they will look at your tithing record, they will look at your giving record, how have you been given? If you've not been given, you've not been tithing, they will say, okay, you cannot be an elder, you cannot be a bishop, you cannot be this, and things like that. So they have all those practices. So remember I said the word donate. So, but unlike these donations or contributions, tithing in the Christian faith is a covenant practice. It is not a donation. It is not a membership fee. It is a covenant practice. Someone say covenant practice. Because it didn't start like that. So let's go ahead. What's the origin? Genesis chapter 14 from verse 4. It says, now when Abraham heard his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobab, which is not of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and, all, and also brought back his brother Lord and his goods as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley. After he returned from the defeat of Chaldorama and the kings who were with him. Alright. Then Melchizedek, verse 18, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He met the priest of God most high. He, he was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And, and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand and he gave him a tithe of all. Alright, so that's the first account. That's the origin where that happened in scripture. And then if you go further to verse 21, you see, now the king of Sodom said to Abraham, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I've raised my hand to the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a tread to a sandal strap and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. Glory to God. So the preceding chapters, we see how things began to change for Abram. If you read chapters 15, 16, and 17, you will understand that this process that Abraham did, and the next chapter God would say, and, and, and God spoke to Abraham and said, I will make a covenant with you. And then from that point, his name changed by a simple act that he did. And then from that on, we see a practice in Genesis 28 from verse 10. It says, now Jacob went from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set and he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head and lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and it top reached to the heavens and there the angel of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham. Remember your father. And the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in, and in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He says, behold, I am with you. I will give you whatever you, wherever you, I will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave, on, leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city had been lost previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace then the Lord shall be my God 
and this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house and of all that you give me I will surely give a tenth to you. So you understand that the pattern between Jacob and Abraham was somewhat similar. The blessing came upon them and because they recognized the blessing, they made a covenant, not out of compulsion, not out of a donation, not out of a membership fee, but because they recognized that something is upon me. So the blessing came even before they tithed. Is someone here in me. The blessing came, the pronouncement of the blessing came even before they tied it. So it was in response that there is a covenant upon me, there is a blessing upon me. So because I recognize that blessing, I am given in recognition of that blessing. So Abraham did it, Jacob did it. And then from that time on, we began to see certain instructions in scripture. If you go to Leviticus chapter 27, quickly media help me, 27 and verse 30. It says, and all the tide of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So from this moment on, we see several, several portions in scripture where the word tide or a tent is mentioned as a practice, doctrine and instruction. To the children of Israel. From that time on we began to see. We mentioned a tent or we mentioned a tithe. So it's a practice in scripture. That comes from revelation. Glory to God. So in the Old Testament there are four kinds of tithes in the Old Testament. The first one is called the Masarishan. It's called the tithes to the Levi. And you can find that in Numbers 18 verse 21. You can open that quickly. So that first tithe is 10% of your first fruits or your income. That's the practice in the Old Testament. You will get to um, how, how the practice now is and the kind of order that God is requiring of us now. All right. So that's the 10%. They practice it in that time in Numbers 18.21. It says, And behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tent in Israel for an inheritance, for their service which they serve. Even the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. That's, that's where we see that. So there may not be a physical temple that exists today like it did in the Bible. But today the house of God is the local church. Where there is accountability, authority, submission. You know, where there are people caring and watching over you. That's the first kind of tithe. The second one is the tithe of the tithe. Numbers 18, 25 and 26 is the tithe of the tithe. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the Levites and say to them, When you take from the children of Israel the tithe which I have given you from them as your inheritance, then you shall offer up a heave offering to the Lord, a tenth of the tithe. So the Levites were by law required to offer up a tenth of the tithe. So the tithe in that time was paid to the Levites. Alright? The Levites were the priests at the time. So their responsibility to God is that the Levites will now take a tenth of that tithe. A tenth of the tenth. And offer it up to God. Alright? So that was the practice. That was the second kind of tithing. And then the third tithing is the tithe of the pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Now, this is very interesting, all right? The third tithe is the tithe that's set aside for, for the festivals. There, there were three kinds of festivals in the Levitical law. And they were required by law to set a tithe for Jerusalem pilgrimage. The, 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 the festivals were three kinds. The Feast of, of, of Pentecost, the Feast of Tabernacles, and the Feast of Passover. If you go to Deuteronomy 14, media quickly, Deuteronomy 14 from verse 22. It says, you shall truly fight all the increase of your grain that the fields produces year by year and you shall eat it before the Lord your God. So this one was for their enjoyment. Someone say amen. I'm sure you're excited about that one. That's the one you want. To enjoy that one. Alright. It says, you shall eat it before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses to make his name abide. The tithe of your grain and your new wine and your oil of the firstborn of your herds and, and your flocks that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always but if the journey is too long for you so that you are not able to carry the tithe 
Or if the place where the Lord your God chooses to put his name is too far from you. So you see that God actually tells them, look, don't just do anything with this tithe. Go to a place where I have chosen, where I have decided for you. And then you will do this thing exactly with it. So all these four levels of tithing, they, they, they practice them together. They were not substituting one for the other. All right, they had to do the income tithe, then they do the, the Levites will do the tithe of the tithe, and then they will do the tithe of the pilgrimage as well. All right, and he said in verse 26, And you shall spend that money for whatsoever your heart desires for oxen or sheep, for wine or similar drink, for whatever your heart desires. You shall eat there before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice, you and your household. Then it says in verse 27, You shall not forsake the Levites who is within your gate, for he has no part nor inheritance with you. Now let me give a brief, a brief description there. You know, at that time, the Levites had, um, they, they were mandated by God not to do anything. They were just to um, be in the service of God and then when the people bring their tithe they give it to the Levites that's the inheritance of the Levites so the Levites now take a tenth of that tithe and offer it up to God alright so I, I can do a whole, a whole teaching and, 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 and practice and um, explanation on that alright that's how you, you give in to your shepherd is a covenant principle that you must practice it's not something that you um I can do a whole teaching on that, but that's for another day. If you go to Ezekiel chapter 44 and verse 30, give me Ezekiel 44 30 quickly. I'll just touch on that briefly. Ezekiel 44 30. Alright, it says, And the first of all the first fruits of all things, and every oblation of all, of every sort of your oblations, shall be priest. Ye shall also give unto the priest the first of your dough that he may cause the blessing to rest upon thine house. So I understand from scripture that when you give to a shepherd, he, call, he can cause the blessing to rest upon your house. That's a different teaching for another day. So this is the fourth tithe. It's called the Masa Ani. It's the tithe for the poor and widows. That one is distributed to those who are in need to widows, to children who are orphans. And that you can find in Deuteronomy 14 and verse 28. It says that the end of every third year, you shall bring out the tithe of your produce of that year and store it up within your gate. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are within your gates may come and eat and be satisfied that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands which you do. So the issue there is, is not that there was never a principle or a practice of titan. There was, the issue is not that we didn't have it in the Christian faith. It was there from the beginning. So my question is, a definition cannot change. Or rather my statement is, a definition cannot change because a dispensation has changed. Because we're in a new dispensation doesn't mean the definition and the purpose has changed. No. Remember the origin is from Abraham. We'll see that as we go on. So it cannot change. So what God will do is that God will take whatever revelation you have and he will work on it. And the moment you get a bigger revelation, God is able to do more. God is able to do more. So the revelation that you have that you're working with now, that's what God is working with. But the, mo the moment he gives you a bigger and better revelation, something happens. He begins to work with you based on that bigger and better revelation. An example is, is in 1 Samuel chapter 13, where Saul went to Gilgal. And then he, 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 the people troubled him. And then they, 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 they wanted him to do something. There was chaos, there was turmoil. And then the Bible says, uh, Saul, Saul, Saul went to, um, I think he went to the house of the Lord and, and took the priestly um, robe or something. Or he, he inquired. He was not supposed to do so. But he inquired. That was the job of the priest. That was the revelation he was working with at the time. The revelation he had for him to inquire as a priest was not with him. Because if you go to 1 Samuel chapter 30, David did the same thing in Gilgal. 
in, in Ziklag. He did the very same thing. When David inquired, he said, told to the priest, give me the effort. And then he inquired of the Lord, shall I go and pursue? And then God said, go, you will surely overtake. Same experience, but different revelation. Different revelation. So God works with us based on revelation. So the revelation you have at a particular time is what God will be working with you on. But the more, that doesn't mean that there is no greater revelation. It's like saying, I, I gave the illustration here. When, when you go abroad, you, have, you go to your house abroad you, and you want to turn on your gas. You don't have gas cylinders. The gas is piped through the walls. Am I correct? Those of you that have traveled far and wide, lift your hand. Even if you have not traveled far and wide, just lift your hand by faith. Come on, come on. Do that, yes, because you're also going. Hallelujah. Oh, Dr. Ruth is lifting two hands. Hallelujah. Alright, so they pass the gas through the walls, through a pipe. But here in Africa, if you want gas, what, they, what would they give you? They'll give you gas cylinder. Is it that there is no technology to handle that? No, there is. But your capacity cannot handle that revelation now. That's why they are giving you gas cylinder. So it doesn't mean that it's not available. It's available, but you cannot handle it. So that's why you're having gas cylinder. But when you go to a place where the environment accommodates that, what they do, they pass the gas through the, through the walls. Alright? Glory to God. So there is a difference. So that happened at that time and God dealt with them in that revelation. Now, today's content, how do we fight today? What are the benefits? How do we, how do we go about it? How do we do it? Psalm 110, verse 4. It says, the Lord has sworn and will not relent. It says, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And I realized in amazement that God actually told us the kind of order we are supposed to follow in this dispensation. And he said, to, he said you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So I began to realize that, okay, if God has said that this is the order we are meant to follow, and this order came by revelation. It didn't come by some principle or some practice. No, it first came by revelation. I began to study what is that order of Melchizedek that God is asking us in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9. It says, and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. So what is that order? That is the order that God has called us to according to the order of Melchizedek. So why is it important to follow the order of Melchizedek? Because that is the origin of fighting. And Jesus has become our high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. And he said he's a priest forever. So I, I found out that two things happened according to that order of Melchizedek. One of them, it was a communion. There was bread and wine. Melchizedek brought it. And I hope you understand that Melchizedek in, in terms, I don't want to go into the theology of it. Melchizedek is actually Jesus. If you go through scripture, Jesus appeared many times in the Old Testament. The only time he appeared that's why he said the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us was in when, when he was born by the Virgin Mary but there are many times in scripture that Jesus appeared I'll tell you how now the Bible says that Melchizedek had neither genealogy neither um, um, mother nor father right so if he had to be a man he would have mother or father and then he said that he, he didn't have beginning no end. It cannot be an angel. Because angels had beginning when they were created. But he said. It was like unto the son. Of the most high. So that was Jesus appearing at the time. That's why the Bible had to refer. That he came in the order. That he had to, we had to be in the order of Melchizedek. That's the only reference. You can refer to Jesus. It couldn't have been angels. It couldn't have been any human being. The only person that has the ability that did not have beginning nor end was Jesus. Was Jesus. 
was Jesus. So we understand that if it came in that part, then Titan did not begin in Malachi. But it began with Abraham. In Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 5, we see that the Levite was still in the loins of Abraham when he got the revelation of Titan. Was still in the loins of Abraham. So God established a pattern in Abraham that leads to increase and outward manifestations of blessings. He established it in Abraham. It was not, it was not in Malachi. He established it in Abraham. And besides, the Malachi account of fighting was not even to the congregation. It was to the Levites. Because if you start from the beginning of Malachi chapter 1 and begin to read, you'll find out that God, they had a system. So I, I told you about the four kind of tithes in the Old Testament. So the, the, the second tithe, which is the tithe of the tithe, was not being offered. The Levites at the time were not, so they were taking a tithe, but they were not giving a tithe of the tithe. So God now raised the prophet to speak to them and tell them that you are robbing me, you Levites. Because you are not offering the tithe of the tithe to me. So it was, it, was, it was specifically addressed to the Levites. I can give a study on that later. Hallelujah. So there are three or four things I want you to know. One. God established a pattern. Okay. So this is the first thing. Any system that makes money the number one benefit is not a kingdom system why because god did not create money settle that once and for all money is not the primary benefit of fighting the reason you have a problem with it is because you think it's about money money is never and it's not the primary benefit of fighting so in the beginning in Genesis, God had declared that the way to increase is through seed. And the greatest seed of all is his word. Once the word is planted, it will give you access to money and what money cannot buy. Money is the lowest asset in the kingdom of God. So if you have the idea of a walking tithe, that your tithe only works when money comes to you, then you have it all wrong completely. Say, oh, pastor, my tithe is not working. Why? Because I've not gotten 100 million. So my tithe is not working. You have missed it. That's not the primary reason for tithing. And that's not God's idea for tithing. The truth is that it is meant to deliver to you what money cannot buy and beyond. Then through that, you can access money as a means to transact but it's never the primary reason why and it's very clear in scripture Abraham was very rich rich in all things silver gold he was a businessman had employees had 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 staff had people working for him so it wasn't about money it wasn't about it wasn't about that at all he was already rich but there, there was a need for him to encounter Jesus in Melchizedek and something else be poured and released on him. There was a need for that to happen. So you thought, one reason you thought, as a believer, that's why I said it, the believer and thighed is because God becomes your divine order. God becomes your divine order. There are many things happening around you that your sight is unlocking. But because you can't, you, can't, you can't get your eyes off money, you can't see the hand of God. Many things that it's, it's unlocking for you, but because you're fixed on money, you can't see the hand of God upon you. Setting things in perspective. God's economy is not run on money. It is run on seed. It's run on seed. The parable of the sower. If you don't, Jesus said, if you don't understand that parable, you don't understand the kingdom. If you don't understand, you don't understand the kingdom. 
Money is not seed. Listen to me. Money is not seed. What makes anything what it is or seed is the word of God spoken. Luke chapter 18. Unless God makes it seed, it is not. The fact that you have it does not make it a seed. The Bible says the seed is the word. He says, now the parable is this. The seed is, they came to Jesus. Explain to us, what do you mean by this parable? He said, the seed is the word of God. When God tells you to give money, that is the money that becomes seed. In itself, it is not seed. But when God's word goes on it, it becomes seed. And when it becomes seed, he said, my word will not return to me void. It will not. So in itself, because money is unrighteous, it's not a creation of God. The only way it can be made a seed or made holy is when it gets in the hands of God. So when God tells you to give a particular money, that instruction to give is what makes it a seed. And that's the instruction you will hold. Not the amount you gave. Someone hear me. That's the instruction. That is where you get your harvest. Not the amount you gave. You go to God with the instruction. The word that he gave. That is the seed that will produce. Not the money. When they came to Jesus. And they said to him. You see why? Sometimes it looks difficult for some people to break through. Because when God tells them, gives them an instruction, they are looking at the amount and not the word. The amount does not produce anything. It is the word that produces. So when you forget the amount and hold on to the word, you will see your result. He came to Jesus. He said, ah, they're asking us for tax. And Jesus gave the word. The word was going to the sea. Put your catch. The fish you will see. There will be coin inside. That is the word that produced the coin. Go to your river. Go and catch fish and see if you will see coin inside. That is the word that produces. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 18. There's an account of Simon. He saw that they were laying hands on the apostles. And that the apostles were laying hands. And people were receiving the Holy Spirit. And then he offered money and said, Give me this power that anyone in whom I lay ha my hands may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said, Your money perish with you. Because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. It's impossible. You cannot buy the blessing of God with unrighteous mammon. You cannot. And Jesus calls money unrighteous. There is no amount you want to give God that he will invoke the blessing on you. No. What God looks at is his word. And that's his word that produces not the money. I don't care the amount. It's his word that produces. The moment you begin to anchor on his word, I can tell you, you'll be looking for God to tell you what to do with the unrighteous mammon. Because you know once the word goes forth, there's increase coming. It's not the amount. We don't tithe to get blessed. We are blessed. That's why we tithe. If you don't recognize that the blessing is on you, you are free not to tithe. It's not a problem. But I'm telling you as a believer, though, when you recognize that the blessing is on you from the account of Abraham and the account of Jacob, out of that recognition, that's the revelation that comes. But if you don't have that revelation, please stay where you are. 
leave us that have the revelation. That's why I said it's not a compulsion. It's not a donation. It's not membership fee. And nobody will hold your neck about it. I've never asked anybody, bring your tight card. No, never. Some people have asked me, Pastor, why don't you mandate workers to be monitoring their tithe? I say, never will I do that. Ever. Because when you, when you function in the kingdom, we function by revelation and faith. When you don't function by these two things, you won't get results and we're wondering what's happening to you. So the revelation that you have that you're working, work with it. When you get a bigger revelation, then you will work with that one. The blessing is not money. It is the empowerment of God to prosper, succeed, and to excel. The revelation you have is what God will work with. If you're like me, say, I'm too blessed not to tithe. Say it. Say, I'm too blessed not to tithe. Tithing is an outward show that you are surrendered to God. It's an outward show that you are surrendered. In Genesis 14, 22, say, but Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord, God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth. And when the king of Sodom came to him and said, give me this, give me this. He said, lest you say you have made Abraham rich. Say, I've raised my hand to the Lord. How did he raise his hand? What was the act of raising that hand? The tithe he gave. So he recognized that look, I have raised my hand to God. That image I sent to you, can you, can you project that image? That's the, that's the Hebrew word for tight, Massah. And at that point where um, 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 the king of Sodom um, was talking with Abraham and he says, lest you make Abraham rich. That word, that word rich comes from the word Massah. And Massah in Hebrew is tight. So that word rich is asa, wealth. He said, lest you will say that you have made Abraham rich. So he, he recognized, he understand that look, my covenant is not tied to what you give me, but what I give to him. In the new creation, we are designed by God to respond to faith to respond to faith go to Hebrews chapter 7 Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 4 I'm going to I'm going to break this down in a minute but let me tell you some of the motivations and reason behind why we tithe as believers. One of them is that as a new creation, you are designed by God to respond to faith. You're not designed by God to respond to compulsion. You are designed by God as a new creation to respond to faith. And number two, we tithe because we love God. So our tithe, and number three, our tithe is a reverence for God, not fear. Not fear. If you read Hebrews 7 from verse 4, it says, Now consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And indeed, those who are the sons of Levi, who receive the priesthood, have a commandment to receive tithes on the people, according to the law. That is from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Now, beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Here, mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them, of whom it is witness that he lives. Even Levi, 
who receives tithes paid tithes through Abraham so to speak for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him so you see that all that Abraham did was out of one because um he, he loved God two the tithe was out of a reverence for God not fear not fear Abraham was not afraid that if I don't tithe I'll be poor no he, he was not out of fear and then he did that out of honor for God in ancient times you cannot appear before greatness empty handed so he recognized he said consider look at it go go to verse 4 now consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch gave a ten so he considered the greatness that was before him so when you consider God great in your life by revelation unrighteous mammon will not be your problem so it's because you are not having that revelation that you are struggling with it and it's becoming difficult for you. But when you have the revelation, out of that revelation of his greatness. So your thight is saying to God, I ascribe greatness to you. And then when you ascribe greatness to God, God shows himself great. God shows himself great. Imagine you're worshipping him and you're singing, How great thou art. How great thou art. And then you're singing, then sings, my soul, my Savior God to thee. And your heart is lifted to him. And you're saying, God, how great you are. You're recognizing that greatness. And out of that revelation, you're bringing, the, you know, I tell you when you bring your offerings and your tithe before him, worship him. That's what he needs. So you come out with a revelation that of this revelation, I'm pouring this as an offering before you. And then God begins to speak. His word now becomes the seed that you run with. So when you hear people say, I can never be broke another day in my life, or I can never lack, it's out of revelation. Not that you give. No. Out of revelation. And then in verse 7. It says now beyond all contradiction. The lesser is blessed by the better. Here mortal men receive sight. But there he receives them. Of whom it is witness. That he lives. So your tithe is saying he lives. Your tithe is a witness. He lives. So you are witnessing that he lives. So because of that witness of his resurrection. So your tithe is lifting up before God. And saying he lives. He lives. He lives. You are witnessing of his resurrection. Of the risen Christ. Your tithe testifies to the resurrection of Jesus. It comes out loud to heaven. To say Christ is risen. Because he receives it. He receives it. He did not say he received. Receives in English engineering. Pardon my language. Means continuous. He receives it continually. So today he's receiving it. Tomorrow he's receiving it. Why? Because he lives. He lives. He lives. Verse 9 says, Even Levi who receives tithes, paid tithes to Abraham, so to speak. So in the Levitical order, when I did the study, I found out in the Levitical order, the Levi had to pay the tithe. Mandatory. Because the Levi was in the loins of Abraham. So for that to be legal, for the, for the Levitical priesthood to be legal, it had to pay through Abraham. But the Bible, when he mentioned Abraham, he said Abraham gave. So it was mandated according to the Levitical order for them to pay it. But in Abraham, according to covenant, he gave it willfully. That's why nobody's mandating you to pay anything. 
So we're not saying we are paying our tithes. We're giving willfully. There's a difference. In the Levitical order, there's a difference. And Bible does not, I went through all the scripture and references that pointed to why Abraham gave and why the Levites paid. And I saw all the places God was telling the Levites, pay, 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 pay. Because it was a demand, they had to have a legal obligation in Abraham. They had to. Even in Matthew 23, 23, Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He said, For you pay. Because they had a legal obligation by law to do it. Not out of revelation. He said, This ought you, you have to have done without leaving the order. So it was, man, it was mandatory to the house of Levi to claim legitimacy by paying but the order of Melchizedek it is given willfully and then we it because of a future in verse 9 it says even Levi who receives tithes paid tithes through Abraham for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him he was still in the loins. There are children in your loins. Your future is in your loins. So when you give up like that to God, you are telling God, my future is secured. My future is secured. So Levi was still in the loins. How come what Abraham did by revelation affected a Levi that was still in the loins? Your tithe is speaking to your future. You have no idea. You have absolutely no idea. And then you're joking with it and thinking it's a, a it's never that and it has never been. Luke chapter 15 as I conclude from verse 8 it says, Oh what woman having ten silver coins if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This, these scriptures are not there for fancy. And their words were not framed for fancy. Say the woman had 10 coins. But she lost. Why did not say she lose two? One out of 10 is what? One tenth. So she lost the tithe. And she said, the first thing he said, does not light a lamp. That is revelation. The only way you can find and access that tithe is revelation. Does not light a lamp. Sweeps the house and search carefully until she finds it. It did not say sweep outside sweep the house. It's a family matter. Believer and the titan. It is not a world, world principle. In the house. Till she finds it. See, and when she has found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which was lost. And then they said there is joy in heaven. So when that happens, that one piece, that one tent becomes the most critical one. With that one, she does a lot. And then souls are reached at the end of the day. Said so there is joy in heaven in the presence of the angels over one sinner. How will the sinner repent? 
how would the sinner repent when there is no kingdom investment to do ministry? In verse 16, Luke chapter 16, chapter 16 verse 10. It says, "He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much." He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? That thing is a question mark that ends it. So he's asking, who? Because I will not. If you've not been faithful in a righteous man, who will give you? I don't know who will give you because me, Jesus, I will not. I will not give you the true riches. He said, if you've not been faithful in what's another man's, who will give you what is your own? Money is another man's. What is your own comes from God. God considers money a tool. It is the least as compared to much, which is people. To God, the default mode for money is unrighteous. That's his default mode. It's unrighteous. That's why it says in Romans eleven sixteen. So if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. So are the branches. Glory to God. It's a covenant practice that has blessings attached to it. It has blessings attached to it. Acts chapter 2 and verse 40. It says, And when, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among them as anyone had need. So continually, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with, with the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. They received the word and they acted based on revelation. If you don't have the revelation, don't do it. I'm your pastor, I say so. And if you choose not to have the revelation, it's, a, it's your choosing. <laughs> Glory to God. Of all, of all the benefits and the reasons and motivation behind why we fight as believers, the awe at which we bring before Him, the awe—I mean, you can't if you if you say you love someone. 
you love someone who am i going to use as example now okay mr ina you love your wife so much and your wife knows that you love her so she's passing by a mall she won't be afraid because in her heart she will say do i walk through this mall my husband's credit card shall be my shield and my buckler my husband's account shall be my shield she will not be i mean she is basking in that love and then because of that she's open you she will not she will not be afraid to go into the mall because she knows you've got her back when the when your love for god becomes everything within you unrighteous mammon will not be what will hinder that love it won't be what will hinder the love when the greatness of god is before you and you're standing in awe of him unrighteous mammon will not be what will hinder that greatness it's because we've not seen the greatness of god you've not you've not stood before him and be in awe the least thing you will worry about is money there's something greater than money it's the word of god that's the seed that you need and the moment you go after it that's all he's asking money becomes the least of your problem that's why today go and read um what's this john d rockefeller go and read his story one of the richest men that ever lived at a point he was given almost everything that came to him and he's a believer but by revelation the light came on him and because of that light began to see jesus in a different way that's why it is called the order of melchizedek that's the order in which we fight not the levitical order because jesus lives forever and he says he that lives forever receives so as he's still living he's receiving because it's according to the order of melchizedek not the levitical order if we want to go by the levitical order we'll have four different kind of tithes and each of them have their percentage how many of you can handle that just this 10% you are struggling and shouting everywhere they want to kill me they want to kill me how much is your 10% who wants to kill you the levitical order will tell you divide it into four 10 10 10 10 that's 40% and out of it is only one you eat it's only one you eat it's only one stand to your feet church i gave you about eight reasons and motivations according to scripture why we tithe as believers number 1 i said the create the new creation is designed by god to respond to faith number 2 we tithe because we love god number 3 we tithe out of reverence for god not fear not fear number 4 we tithe out of honor for god Number 5 we fight because we consider God great and all these things are references in scripture because we consider him great number 6 we fight because we give witness that Christ is risen that Christ is risen and number 7 our fight is given willfully not mandated to be paid willfully willfully and the number 8 because of our future because of our future lift your hands to heaven have you been blessed this morning the preceding message was brought to you by kingsword ministries international for information about kingsword ministries visit us at kingsword.org for information and additional resources thank you for listening to this message and remember where the word of a king is there's power